Hey, what are you doing this week to think about your thinking? Have you done anything today to think about your thinking? Thinking needs thinking. Perhaps it's time for a reboot. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Critical Thinking for Everyone. Everybody, we hope you are having a great week, and we are so tickled that you decided to spend some of it with us. We are nothing but tickled. I mean, it is just absolutely hee 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 It is absolutely the uh, highlight of our critical thinking week that we can come here with you and talk about this business. Yeah, it really is, and. For those of you who are just tuning in, I want you to know that I am Patty Payette. Yes, yes, you should know that. I feel like that's an important detail. Uh, I'm Brian Barnes, by the way. I can confirm the Patty Payette rumors. Yes. Yep. And Brian and I have been doing this fine show for oh, three and a half years. Yeah, yeah. It's been a few years now, and uh, we feel like we really have our sense of critical thinking down. We feel like sometimes maybe we're not being as helpful as we could be. Maybe we're a little boring. Maybe we're being a little repetitive. So you can help us. If you think that um, maybe there's a topic that we should be looking at, you should reach out to us at Critical Thinking for Everyone on Facebook. Um, You can also find us, if you want to listen to this show, the schedule's on... Where is it? Forwardradio.org. And listen, if you're like the guy a couple years ago who was driving in his car listening to the show and suddenly he had to pull over and get some information, you know what he did? He just sent an email to Forward Radio and it got to us. See, that's the kind of thing that we need, you know, just a little bit of feedback. And you can also uh, find back episodes if you're not interested in the contemporary. Uh, you can find back episodes <laughs> on SoundCloud, and you need to look for uh, Forward Radio WFMP Louisville. Or you can look under SoundCloud Critical Thinking for Everyone. You have got lots of options. Oh, yeah, and we're on iTunes. That's right. Yeah. We're on iTunes. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're We are on the interwebs, and, yep. you know, we welcome you to find us. You know what else you could do? You could even Google our names and read some of our articles. Oh, yeah. We do have some academic articles about yeah, critical thinking, especially. Nerdy. Yeah, but especially things about how to teach and stuff like that um, for critical thinking if you care about such things. We're not so interested in putting things um, into that perspective on this show. Um, you know, that's, that's fine if it comes up, but we really kind of want it to be for everyone, and that's to say not just for teachers. Yeah, not just for teachers, but really, as the show title says, for everyone. And the thing is, too, when we talk about everyone, we have to also recognize that there's a learning thing, right? I mean, we're talking about critical thinking. It's, it's for us trying to learn, but not just in school. Just any kind of learning activity yeah. could really be benefited by us learning some better thinking skills. And that's what this thing ultimately is about, is some better thinking skills. And, you know, if you don't find it useful, then you won't turn tune in. So we want to be fun and engaging and useful and interesting and and get you some learning. Get you some learning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, we're here for that. We're here for that. But again, it's for everyone. It's not like it's not like when I was back there learning and uh, sometimes you wouldn't quite uh, have your attention in the right spot. And so you'd end up 
with a piece of wood across your back or Ooh. your or your buttocks or your legs or maybe to get your attention. Yeah, maybe yeah. many times maybe you had to go to some special place to get that some somebody's office where they had paddles hanging on the wall. Did that ever happen to you? Get yeah. sent to the office? Yeah, 100% male really? high school. Yes really? indeed. Yes, in the uh. office with the paddles hanging on the wall and you got to pick your <laughs> own poison. Wow, I had I a, picked poorly. <laughs> I had a teacher in middle school who named his discipline. One was called Madam Discipline. <laughs> You're killing me. <laughs> Madam Discipline. May I have another? <laughs> what? What he was bringing these from home. You don't have those in the What grade was this? <laughs> get out of here. No one will no one will pick up on this in 5th grade. The other teachers are like I heard something. Can you confirm something? Well, you got to understand this teacher. <laughs> this teacher, since we're talking about you, since we, I brought him up, I have to tell you about him. I can't wait. His name was Mr. Toby. Uh oh. We're going to get sued. When the phone in his office, when the phone in the classroom would ring, uh-huh. he'd walk over to the wall and he'd, and he'd go, Toby's diaper service, you mess him, we press him. Oh, <laughs> he's always playing for the jokes. He was always, he just, yes, he yeah. was always like, find, <laughs> so you know. I just want to be clear. So the two <laughs> jokes that stick out to you most in, in the mind from this year spent with, right. with Mr. Toby is the one about mistress discipline, the paddle, and the other one about the diaper No, joke. those aren't the ones that stick out. Those are just in the pantheon. The one that sticks out is okay. a little inappropriate. Oh, but those are... Okay. So anyway, I'm just making a couple of notes over here. I'm going <laughs> to... I feel like this is probably something to be talked about, you know, in another... Maybe not even this show. But... It is interesting. So I had a slightly different experience. Yes. Um, I didn't have that guy, uh, of course. But I had a sixth grade teacher who I will not name. Really? Why? Because I would get sued. Yeah. And this person had the habit of walking around. I had one, one sixth grade teacher who did this and one college professor who did this who would take their class ring and turn it around <gasps> and hit Thump you? Stu- yeah, on the back of the head with the class ring while he was walking by if you weren't engaged, if you fell asleep, wow. if you were talking, he'd whack or both like of staring you. staring out the window or whatever. Yeah, nobody was staring out the window in that class because the dude would walk up and down <gasps> between the aisles the whole time and just talk about whatever was in the book or read. And you had to be like... Wherever he was in the room, you had to be The room was not like... big enough to get away from this guy at all. He had oh, a huge presence. Was, that was... Yeah, yeah, it was very... And then so that, but then also he, he had this um, invitation-only, boys-only uh, physical education class after school in the school gym that he ran. This sounds like starting to sound like something from Fight Club. Where you learn to box and learn to wrestle and played other very aggressive games. I was just joking, with other but boys. I guess I'm, I'm not, that's not a joke. It was not a joke. It was not a joke. Did you join that club? I eventually, I was not popular. Um, I eventually received an invitation to come, and there was a uh, there was boxing. And I guess they didn't like my boxing, and so I didn't get to come back or whatever. But a lot of, yeah, there was a lot of little kids boxing with no headgear and stuff. It was bananas. That is some crazy stuff. Let's hear it for the... um, Old school teachers. Yeah, the kinds of stuff that you ended up doing. Yeah.
Remember when I told you about at the same age, I told you about my gym teacher who wouldn't let girls be captains of the, of the uh, kickball team? Yeah, Remember yeah, that yeah. whole thing? Yeah. I had a gym teacher at the same time yeah. who, if you who you had to come to his office, his tiny office in the gym, like between the gym and the locker room. He had a tiny office there. And you had to come into that. He was this huge guy with this huge desk. And so the only thing in there, there was just a tiny space where you could step into the office to look at his grade book. And if you were a guy, he essentially stood you there like you were at attention looking at the grade book. And if you were a girl, you sat on his lap and looked at the grade book. (gasps) Oh, yeah. And everybody was in a line, so everybody saw the old school. Wow. Those of you listening who are younger than us, (laughs) your head might be exploding. Yeah. And wondering. Let's hope not. You know, Let's hope and those of you who are so our age or older, which is, you know, in your you know middle age, then you all probably have your own stories about bizarre elementary school teachers. There's something to be said for this that I think relates to critical thinking. Number one, without standards, without any criteria for what is or is not the right way for things to go, you don't know. And that's why people can get away with, you know, Doing things, uh, taking advantage of children in various ways, right? Because children don't know what's appropriate here and what's not, right? And so they need to be educated. They need to be told. It needs to be expressed to them, maybe. That's... That's a set of standards that a lot of people think are really, really important that you got to educate the children and make sure they know that when the old man says, come sit on my lap to get your grade, you go, I'm going to go talk to the principal. (laughs) I'm right. Yeah, I think the, I yeah. think kids this age are more savvy. But what I'm saying is, yeah. if they are, it's because they have standards. It's because it's been made explicit. Right. And as important as these standards are in our thinking, there are lots of other standards in our thinking that we need in order to navigate bizarre situations like this. Yes. Right. Yes. Uh, so when the police pull you over, you should know your rights. You should know your rights. That, yeah. that helps to I think have it those does. standards and criteria if they're trying to railroad you. Well, definitely. And especially if you've done something wrong and they pull you over. You ought to know your rights. You ought to know, you know, what you should or should not do or say. And maybe that you need a lawyer. Ouch. I mean, the system, wow. the system is what it is since you bring up this example. I mean, it is the case for all situations that we should have some sense of what the appropriate thing is to do. You send somebody out to, to a restaurant for the first time and, uh, you know, they, they hurt themselves in the restaurant. What are they supposed to do? Well, we didn't talk about what happens if you hurt yourself. We just talked about what to do in the restaurant. Right. So they may not know about insurance cards and ambulances and, and how to call and 911 and what right. is or is not an emergency. They don't know these things necessarily. And so, <clears throat> um, you know, it's maybe not the best thinking in that on the ground very – you mean in the moment stressful, spontaneous, you stressful, know, stressful situation, right? Okay, so here's the thing. Here's This is why you need critical thinking so that when you're in those unexpected situations, you can pause and go, now, wait a minute. Yep. Right. Wait. What What needs to happen here? What is the right thing? What right. should I be thinking about? Right. What should I be a, a – let's slow down and think critically. Or yes. – 
I would say <clears throat> there's another thing down the line that people do implicitly. I've been thinking about. Yeah. You know, we follow social recipes. Yeah. Right. We pass those around to one another. You say if you're not familiar with the social recipe idea, you know, somebody says, um, you know, this is the place to get your hair done. This is the place where you'll get the best you know, type of food or the best right. service or the mm-hmm. best lawyer or whatever. And and they tell you how to interact with them. You can't go on a Tuesday because they're busy oh, on a Tuesday, right. right? When you go, you have to call them Mr. Toad, right? right? Not just right. Toad or whatever, not right. by his first name. So we have to do all these things in order to get the exact effect, maybe. And in some cases, like especially at the restaurant or or maybe at the dentist or something, maybe those work really, really well. Like if you do exactly yeah. the right things, you right. get sort right. of the you right... You kind of know the ropes, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, this could be, you know, this is one of those things where a recipe was passed to someone, right, in order to do one thing or a couple of things, but they don't have that idea. And we're passing recipes to one another all the time. Mm. And we should be stopping and asking one another, as maybe you might do if you're in an actual kitchen recipe community, hey, this is an important recipe for me. Do you have this? Do you have yeah. a recipe for this? Right. right. You might do that with actual food, but what about with a doctor? What about with a ride-sharing app? What about with a restaurant? What about with um, something? What about dealing with a customer service problem? And That's you're like, right. I'm trying to figure out how to navigate. Well, it's interesting you should bring this up because you, like me, are the parent of young adults and young adults. I find that they will text me and be like okay now I need to I need to do this or I need to write this email what should I say yeah, yeah. how do I do this and yeah, so that's yeah. what they're asking for like the social recipe in yep. this context absolutely so. and it's so great when young people are thoughtful enough to do that my son does that as well I can't say when I was his age <laughs> that I was very good at that really I don't think so I think that I uh, very often would try to just figure it out on my own. And I think he does that too. But I noticed that after a few attempts, he's very receptive to what other people think. Like advice on how yeah, to like, navigate Because he tried. He gave it his best thinking, gave his yeah. best shot. Clearly, yeah. it ain't working out. And he's okay with that. But I do appreciate, you know, at least his sense of trying to think it through. A lot of us, when we get social recipes, we might follow them unthinkingly, which is the step beyond this that I was kind of trying to get to. We want to have some criteria so that when we receive these, we can do a little bit of judgment, a little bit of assessment about this and say, ah, I'm not really sure that's going to fit my needs exactly. Yeah. Well, this, well, that applied in that context, but I'm not sure it would fit here, right? We got to learn how to, right, right, so that it's not seen as just like, just going through the motions, but really think about the context and the nuance. And right. So, um, and that's something that the person's work that we're going to talk about today is all oh, about. I thought we were talking about this. Isn't um, that article. ye old Helen Buig? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's how you she, say her name. She is trying to take some critical thinking ideas and put them into practical, useful. Um, ideas. Um, yeah, she's she with is. the Reboot Foundation. Yeah. So if anybody is wondering about the Reboot Foundation, we're going to talk about their latest report. 
But if anyone's like curious to know more about them or Helen Bleak, you can go back and search on our archives on SoundCloud under Reboot. And we interviewed her a couple yeah. of years ago. Yeah, so so we're going to give you guys more of the thumbnail. Um, that's the topic today is actually talking about their latest report called The State of Critical Thinking 2021. I bet you're fascinated. I am fascinated. And I have given this a little bit of a look. So I have a couple of things to say when we get to some okay. spots that I'm I'm not sure that I agree with Helen on every point. But yeah. at any rate, that's, that's neither here nor there. What we want to do is explain our thinking in the places where we think that this is good or the places where this is bad yeah. because – Critical thinking is about criteria. And so if we have a criticism of this or if we have praise for it, we don't want to be uh, cheerleaders for anyone necessarily. We don't want to be um, criticizing or praising things out of hand. Um, we want to have some some point yeah, of view on it. Be fair-minded. Yeah, yeah, be sure, because that's what critical thinking for us is, is about in many ways. So. And so just – so, you know, folks, the Reboot is a it's located in Europe. It's a foundation that's focused on elevating critical thinking. So, of course, when Brian and I first learned about it, we were all over that. We were like, whoa, Reboot, you're like us. You love critical thinking. You're trying to bring it out into the world and develop these ideas. So, yep. Yep. so we loved it. So the State of Critical Thinking 2021 is their latest white paper. And before we go into it, let me just say that they decided to do some research and they thought, well, COVID happening in 2020 will definitely be a, a lens that we use when we think about critical thinking today, right? Like yeah. how does how did COVID, how did how did the under, of lock, lockdown this last year, you know, how did that impact how people might answer these questions? Yeah, uh, yeah, that's right. And if you want to get more of Helen Buig's work, um, she also writes the critical thinking column for Fortune. Forbes. Mag Forbes. I think I did that Forbes. last time. It's Forbes. For Forbes magazine. And uh, you can check that out. Um, I think that's probably a monthly column. Yeah, you can mm. Google her. Or I can't remember how to spell her last name, but nope. if you Google it doesn't sound, Forbes, it doesn't sound like blue. It doesn't sound like Buig. No, no, I think it's B O U G E S. But if you if you Google Helen and critical thinking and Forbes, it'll come up. Yep. So and reboot any of that. So and reboot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So let's just first talk about some of their findings. So so when they want to figure out the state of critical thinking today, so let's be transparent. What do they do? They do a survey. That's what they yeah, do. Yeah, this is this is what they do for sure. They're um, sort of a, I mean, they're they're really strongly into educational research um, and the research driving their findings. I think as opposed to some of the other critical thinking groups we look at, like the Foundation for Critical Thinking, yeah. for example, um, the theory really drives the directions that you end up going. I think with a lot of the work. Um, as opposed to the work that you're doing taking you to the theory. Hmm. That's an important yeah. distinction. Yeah. I'm not saying – I mean, I think that, that there are merits on both sides, but I do think it's important to recognize that um, Reboot seems very much to be a research – you know, like a think tank. Right. It's yeah. a good way to put yeah, it. Yeah. And so this particular survey that helped them assess what's the state of critical thinking today, right, actually looked at a couple things. One, it asked them about social media. Mm -hmm. It asked them about critical thinking. Mm -hmm. And it asked them demographic info. Mm -hmm. So those were the three parts of it. Okay. So why focus on social media? That was really interesting. They wanted to find out 
people's attitude about their own use of critical, uh, I'm sorry, social media. They wanted to find out about social media vis-a-vis critical thinking, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. does social media I- improve or mm-hmm. a- a hamper your critical thinking? Mm-hmm. And they also wanted to know what other people thought about how social media impacted other people besides themselves. Mm-hmm. Okay. See, so they're doing yeah. kind of like attitudinal and um, perception questions. Okay. 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 Well, all right. Yeah. So one of the things that they do we know found, how big their sample was? Uh, yeah, I was what? looking to I was looking to find they have that in the back here, and I was looking to find that. Like, Maybe we'll come to it. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. I know it's in here. That's okay. We'll get to it. Okay. So one of their major findings about social media, mm-hmm. listen to this. Okay. As uh, they said, as social media use rises due to the pandemic, so that was one of their findings that more that people reported using social media more frequently during sure, the pandemic. Sure, sure. People are increasingly concerned about its impact on mental health. Okay. Okay. Do you think that does do they seem to think that's somehow organic or something? What do you mean organic? They think it's they think there's a I think they're exploring the relationship between those two things. The the increase of use of social media vis-a-vis how people are expressing concern about the impact of using social media on mental health. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so get this. Let's just talk about some of the social media usage uh, stats that they learned. Okay. So they said over sixty percent of the respondents said their social media use had gone up since the onset of COVID nineteen lockdowns. Okay, so over 60%. Did your use of social media go up? My use of social media went up for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Right? But I think there were other things going on there, right? Like, like what? Um, you know, we were having Black Lives Matter happen at the same yes. time. And so social media went up because of that, frankly. I don't right. know that. I mean, maybe my use of social media would have gone up just to follow covid related activity right, or something right. or maybe it would have gone up like, to um maybe it would have gone up because i was interested in in something else that was happening in the news but but it was definitely the black lives matter thing that got me more, more, more engaged. In, just using it. I mean, it was just because it was there were there were so there was so much happening that I could watch, and then there were the people there who were um, you know engaging with that, and that went into like the Confederate identity thing, which was also part of the same right. summer. And I mean, these were things that I don't really know if I would have engaged with them on in the same kind of way had I not been on social media. Okay, interesting, yeah. interesting. So I agree my usage went up, but a lot of for me a lot of it was around like oh, this headline about the spread of COVID or the okay. decrease, you know, like I was more when you think of social media sometimes you're thinking like I'm getting news that way. Mm-hmm. So I'm clicking to to get news to figure out what's the latest going on with COVID, right? Mm-hmm. The stakes are really mm-hmm. high. Absolutely they right? were. Yep, yep. So so one of their findings was despite the general acknowledgement that social media is contributing to symptoms of poor mental health, that people said, yeah, you know, sometimes it's a bummer using it. A significant percentage of people aren't willing to stop scrolling or to put down their screens. Yeah. So here's a question. How much money would I have to 
offer you, because this was one of the questions they asked people, so I'm asking you, Brian. Yes. How much money would I have to give you to get you to just stop using social media? Oh, man. You want yeah. me to stop using social yeah, media for money? Yeah, how much? Oh, how much? I mean, that would be an interesting one. I'd have to, I'd have to figure out not a lot. Okay. I don't think it'd be a lot of really? money. I'd have to figure out because there are some benefits for me to social media, like yeah. um, in terms of networking, in terms of keeping up with people from other parts of the world that do you know similar activities for right, me. Right, right. I, so, but I mean, I could probably manage that in some other way. Right, it wouldn't be as easy. So and, I would need yeah. I would need some compensation. How much? How much? Come on, give me a number. See if how it compares. I mean. I, I I think I could give up social media for $5,000. Really? Yeah. Okay, over 70% of users said they would not give up their social media accounts for less than $10,000. Huh. Well, I mean, so, a lot of people are way more invested in their sort of identities and platforms and yeah. stuff online than I am. Right. I, I don't... I really, even though I like to engage in some regard, yeah. I don't. I don't feel like I'm strongly branding myself online. Right. And so, so for you, it's not quite as as pressing. I mean, I would need to buy stamps and things, right. you know, more than. So, which one of these would you give up uh, before you had to give up your social media, your TV, car, or your pet? Any Already gave up the TV. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Easy. Yeah. Uh, before I gave up my social, I wouldn't give up my pet. Yeah. Yeah. So, so this, according to yeah, 40% so the car, the car. said that they would give up those things before they would give up social media. Oh, before. Oh. They would give up that. Like, take yeah. my car, but don't take my Facebook. I would give up. Right. I, yeah, I would do that maybe. Oh, man, my car, though. Dude, yeah, I don't know. See? That would be really hard. But if I had that. to give up one, it would definitely be the car of those. <laughs> of like, those. You wouldn't yeah. give up your pets. No, 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 no. So, so I started, this got me thinking about... Kay. If someone said to me, yeah. what would it take yeah. for you to give up? And I started thinking, well, what's the value for me? And you know what I realized? Yeah. That so for my family and friends and, and coworkers, less so with coworkers, but mostly family and friends, so much of what people share, whether it's they got a new puppy or a so-and-so in their life passed away or they got a new job yeah. or they are going to move to California or yeah. China or whatever. Like so yeah. much of that information I learn about them on social media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yes, I could give it up. Yeah. But then I was questioning myself like, wow, this facility to know what's going on with people. Yeah. Like, okay, what Brian had for lunch or Brian's new shoes, whatever. I don't. Nice, nice looking shoes. Yeah, but yeah, I don't I need, mean. But you know what I realized I need? What's that? My spouse is not on social media. So you know what I do? Huh. When it's something about his family or his friends that I think he needs, I will just say, oh, by the way, so-and-so. So it's like I filter intel so he doesn't have to be on social media. Yeah. So I need like a me to be on social media <laughs> for me and just inform me. Yeah, yeah. You need a personal go, assistant. hey, so-and-so's going to have yeah. a baby. Yeah, personal social I media I read it on social media. That's right, that's right. Yeah, like a filter person. <laughs> Yeah, I think that for him, he doesn't have to go on there. But, you know, <laughs> as compelling as that is yes. um, to maybe develop these filter people in our lives. <laughs> <laughs> I I think that, you know, I remember like my grandparents had like the phone on the wall. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And they didn't. They didn't care. Like they weren't worried. And they write letters like if they wanted to know. And the thing is that. 
even like because it's so haphazard because a lot of my family members will never listen to this show and really have no interest in keeping up with me yeah. anyway. Yeah. So I would never hear from them at all about what was going on in their lives, except that it pops up in social media because we happen to be connected and somebody posted it and, and tagged them or whatever. Right. And don't you like knowing that? I like it in the same way that I like snacks. Meaning? Meaning that for the most part, snacks could probably be dispensed with. Like you could probably you do get without along, okay. them. Yeah. Yeah. And in many cases, the snack is not. It, it, it's, it may do more harm than good, <laughs> you know, the snack. And a Too lot much of, of a good thing? A lot of times, especially when it's like, again, people in my family, people in my past who wouldn't pee on me if I was on fire right in front of them. Like, they right. just let me just burn out. They would. And they sure would. They're, they're not interested in sharing any of this stuff with me, right? Even though they happen to be a maybe a pivotal person in a peer group or in a family group right. or something. And so... I would not have heard anything from them before and been in the dark and, and I would have totally been fi- I would have okay. been fine. I would have been fine. So so, so a okay. little bit of knowledge sometimes it's a little bit like a little maybe overkill. Like maybe a little bit overkill. It's a little addictive. It's like, "Oh, but I wonder I wonder how their business is doing." <laughs> oh, but what about what about the kids? <laughs> you know, I mean it's like all of a sudden I have all these questions that you know, before I just sort of assumed that it was fine. So in some ways, ignorance is bliss, right? I hate that, but I have to say that the the idea that more and more complete connectivity, mm-hmm. I made up my own pronunciation there, connectivity <laughs> is always, that was my Atlantic <laughs> pronunciation, um, was always better. That assumption, I think, could be challenged, just like more technology is always better, right? right? Just okay. like, I like I mean, where you're going. I like where you're going with this. But, but ignorance on the, but I mean, like pure ignorance, probably, probably you could do something about that. So, so I mean, like yeah. I, I have, I, I have some friends who are also aren't listening to this, I'm sure, um, who, uh, you know, friend is a very loose term, but I'm on their mailing list. Right. So once every three, five years, yeah. I'll get like a letter. That sums up the last three, five yeah, years of their life. life. And yeah. you're like, oh, okay. Oh, yeah. And I mean, that for me, for me, since really we weren't hanging out anyway, and I don't I don't need you for anything, and you don't right. need me for anything, you could call. Like, it, it would not bother me at right. all if these people call. But, but when they choose not to, and they're living their own life, and I'm living my own, own life over here, it's great to catch up sometimes. I don't feel a huge hole in there. But I know some people do. And that's why I'm trying to sort of maybe over explain this in order to to recognize so people can recognize that I do understand why this is valuable. But I also feel like I just don't. Maybe it's because I don't feel like I need it as much. And maybe it's because a lot of the relationships that are really important to me are right right there in front of me. So, okay. All right. Maybe so, it's that. Maybe it's so, that. So, so this goes. Let's. So, let's lead since we're talking about this, about how much people spend on social media a day when they asked people. Okay. Okay. The um, 
what do you think, like, most people, I'm looking, I'm trying to look at the number here. Yeah. Um, so most people reported that their usage went up okay. during COVID. Okay. okay. Yeah. An average, what do you think the average American, how much they spend a day on social media in 2020? Okay. So let, let me say, it went up, it did go up a little bit since from 2000. Um, 19, but I, not to me, not that much. Three hours a day. No, 82 minutes. 82 minutes a day. An hour and a half. Okay. Almost an hour and a half. Okay. Spend, okay, so when I Slower think about I that. Slower than I imagined. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when okay. I think about that, I think, wow, so people, so when they say they're concerned about their mental health, so they were really wanting to probe that. Yeah. And they said the feelings that it sometimes exacerbates. Okay, so what is the mental health issue? Yeah. People said that what it exacerbated for them was feelings of anxiety, difficulty concentrating, depression, loneliness, and low self-esteem. So let me say that again. Anxiety, difficulty concentrating, loneliness, depression, low self-esteem. This is when they didn't get enough social no, media? No, this is, this is the things that it, that it intensifies for them. The like, feelings. Like being on social yes, media makes them makes feel that them way. Makes them more anxious, makes them more have difficulty concentrating and loneliness. Wow. So I don't know. If I felt like social media increased those things for me, I don't know that I would participate in it. Well, I mean, I think the whole point of the social part is that maybe it's supposed to alleviate some of those things. Well, they said that these are the things that it intensifies. But when it asks them if their usage is healthy, most people said it was somewhat healthy. Except for the part that makes me unhealthy. Right. So how I'm reading this is what people are saying is I spend about an hour and a half, for some people it's more, it's less, on social media. Yeah. And I f- there's a, there's a, a it's habit forming, right? It's, it's, I'm drawn in even though it sometimes makes me anxious, lonely, or I have difficulty con- or depressed. So I have a somewhat unhealthy. So they're reporting... That it is kind of a love-hate. That's what I'm trying to say, that people are saying that there's kind of a love-hate relationship with social media. I relate to that because I really do enjoy connecting with family and friends and finding out what's up with them. And some of them, like you, my friend, post some really funny things that are very enjoyable. Yeah. But on the other hand, there are times I think, well... You know, I could be using my time here to do something else. Yeah. And so I, I get that, that feeling of ambivalence about it. I mean, we're supposed to balance the good with the bad. We're supposed to have sort of both sides of the thing and, and try to do that. But a lot of us don't. You no. know, a lot of us a lot have of us, trouble with that. Yeah. So maybe this isn't something where we can in any way even determine what healthy is. Maybe someone unhealthy is, is the way everybody ought to be thinking about right. it. Right. So then when they started asking people, have you tried any of the following practices to lessen the positive negative effects? Okay, so just without looking at the poll, if I asked you that, Brian, 
what some things, and there's one, two, three, there's six different things on this survey that, that people reported that they do to lessen the possible negative effects. The things we just talked about, the things you just talked about, okay. the feelings that people reported. Okay. What's something that either you have tried or you think you, you or someone else could try to make social media less anxiety-inducing, less depression-inducing? What, what do you think? What could they do? They could, well, I mean, they could meditate. No, I mean, in relationship to social media. What oh. could, they, how could they change their relationship? Well, they could change the, the kinds of social media that they ingest. Okay, right? that's one. Good. Um, yeah. What yeah. else? They could, uh, of course, change the amount of time that they're engaging with social media. And so, what are some tricks that people have developed to limit their time? That they even gets very specific. What are some things that they I don't know? Well, yeah. What, okay. What, what there's actually things? apps okay. that help you limit the time. Okay. That like if you have the Facebook app or the okay. Instagram on your phone, okay. you can actually get another app that won't let you click and open it more than X number of times a day. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Okay, that's pretty handy. Yeah, yeah. so that's one thing. Uh, right. People turn off their phones for a certain period, like at 9 p.m. or whatever, I'm going to, you know, stop or I'm going to go, you know, uh, social media free for a week or mm-hmm. a day or whatever. Deleting disabled social media accounts. Some people do that. Okay. Which for some people might feel like deleting their own identity. Like, yeah. Do I really exist if wow. I'm not in a social media space? Yeah. I mean, just in the same way that, you know, people of old do. Right. I mean, you look back at, I mean, people from history. I mean, did they exist? They didn't yeah, have they social exi- media. Well, we existed before social media, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, I think so. Didn't we? I think we did. Setting, sending private message instead of making public comments. Sometimes I do that. Mm-hmm. I don't make a lot of um, public comments anymore because I found that it was a bad use of time and energy. So okay. I don't really do that much anymore. Okay. Okay. You know? Yeah. Did you notice that? Well, I mean, I myself have also, you know, cut down a great deal on that just because I do think also it's it can be a little bit anxiety inducing just from the point of view of waiting for comments and then in some cases wondering what kinds of feedback um you're going to get. And yeah. Like, and then what's going to be the implication People take of you that. down a rabbit hole and then you're like, why am I in this rabbit well, hole? Well, and maybe like in some cases, like, do I have to deal with this in the real world later? <laughs> like whatever this was. Right. right. So, in yeah. the real world. Right. Exactly. Right, right. That goes back to the depression, anxiety. Right. Remember mm-hmm. these negative things that mm-hmm. people curating your feeds to limit content. Sure. So that's another thing you could do. You could just start getting off groups or leaving, you know, sh- sh- hiding the, what do you call it? The, 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 the hiding the feed of people who you're like, eh, I don't really want to, you know, I mean, somebody once described, let's just use Facebook or Instagram as an example. Someone was described it as I'm allowing who, all these people, hundreds of people on my list to put in front of me ideas and words and images. And I have no like, in what other context do you allow people to go, like, here, look. Yeah. Okay, see this? Yeah. Look at this. Read yeah. this. Look at this. Like, just right in front of your face. No. There's no other kind. You don't sit down in a bus or go to a meeting. Well, maybe in a meeting. <laughs> and people are shoving things in front of your face. And you're yeah. like, I don't really feel like looking at this. But but that's kind of what that is. It's just this scrolling stuff of other people's stuff that whether or not you want to look at it. Yeah, I mean, that's and that is the value of curating your stuff, right? Because it is, um, 
it is relatively easy, I think, to get things in there that you're not going to want. Yeah. Yeah. So the more that we talk about this, the more I'm like, you know, I don't I don't really enjoy It's not very enjoyable. It kind of is, but it kind of isn't. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. that really, that really a strong ambivalence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I understand. I, I, yeah. I, I understand um, that I, I feel the same way a lot. I feel like I'm, I'm also ambivalent. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So then Reboot asked them, when it comes to the impact of social media on political discourse, the public is ambivalent. While many found social media damaging to their political reasoning, others thought the way it exposed them to new ideas was beneficial. What do you think of that? In some cases, it is. In some cases, people are finding this stuff it's beneficial. fascinating. Yep. They, some people actually reported, I'm surprised, given algorithmic filter bubbles mm-hmm. that want to, you just to see the same images and words and, and ideas that you click on because it reinforces your worldview, people are saying that they actually think, get this, that social media is somewhat helpful in helping them think about political events and political issues, current events and political issues. I can see how it would be. Yeah. I mean, if you get the right sources, if you get high quality stuff, yeah, I can see how it would be. Yeah. Whoa. Dense and intense. You need a little break, friends? Just a tiny one? Oh, how about some critical thinking dance party? Get some! the reboot survey on social media asking people about both social media and about critical thinking. So we've shared some of the things that people reported about social media and Brian and I have shared our own ambivalence about it. One of the conclusions that the reboot foundation has come to is the mixed opinions that people said about the role of social media in their life reflect the ambiguous place social media holds in our public discourse. People seem to be generally wary of the pitfalls of social media, especially when it comes to political content and issues and debate, but they're unlikely to completely condemn it, especially when evaluating its impact on them personally. So in other words, how I read that is... If I think back to the election season or I think back to current events, I could see things on social media that make me 
happy, make me angry, make me feel all different kinds of things about current events or politics in the world. But the point is, even if I feel mixed about the quality of the information, I'm getting diverse points of view that are provoking me to think in different ways. So in that sense, it's a good thing. Social media is serving a good thing. They also said other recent research has come to similar conclusions. So they cite a Pew survey, that's a Pew Foundation, P-E-W, found that people were optimistic about the role of social media can play in building social movements even when they worried about the distractions it can cause. So when it comes to Black Lives Matter and other issues that people want to come together around and learn and organize, social media is a positive. But it also, again, there's that ambivalence. It also can be a source of organizing for white supremacist groups. And so there's always the plus and minus. So, So this is what Reboot comes to say about this. Given these attitudes, it seems clear that we can neither dismiss the problems associated with social media nor expect people to simply give up their social media accounts, right? Again, think of Brian and I and our own experience as examples. Think of your own experience. Maybe you have ambivalence about it. What is needed is a concerted effort to give people the cognitive tools to manage the dangers of social media addiction to engage productively with valuable information and opinions they find online, and perhaps most importantly, to recognize and avoid low-quality information and opinion that's not worth engaging with. So really what the trick is, is helping people use it more responsibly, right, to, to think about how to manage their use of social media, the time they spend, but also how to sift through information. That's where the critical thinking piece comes in. So the second part of the survey asked uh, the folks who took this survey about critical thinking. And it's really interesting because again and again in the surveys, this is the third survey Reboot has done, 95% of the respondents affirm that critical thinking skills are important to today's world. So there's almost total unanimous agreement that's really important. Yeah, 85% believe that they're generally lacking. So people understand why critical thinking is important, but almost the same number of people, 85% say, you know, I'm not seeing a lot of critical thinking around me. And when they're asked about why, it's really interesting. The survey said one of the the major reasons, this is definitely a third of respondents said changing societal societal norms. So what they mean by that kind of unpacking the survey results is, you know, it's not being taught in schools. It's not being cultivated. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was in school, I really didn't learn critical thinking per se. Nobody in my K through 12 ever probably used that term. So what people are identifying in the world today is, wow, there really needs to be more people teaching in in schools, they're focusing not teaching to the test, but teaching critical thinking. Now, I would argue there's plenty, plenty of teachers all over the world who are trying to get their students to think critically and modeling it for them, but they're often not using that term. So that's one of the reasons they think that's a third of respondents. The second highest reason was 25 
75% said that they think that there's a lack of critical thinking again because of the educational system. Other people said modern technology, 21%, right? That modern technology is making people dumb. It's, it's doing thinking for them, whether it's directions, whether it's getting news. I'm using technology to just passively go along for the ride while it's doing the thinking. Um, decreased parental, 8% said decreased parental guidance. So sus, much smaller number thinks parents are responsible for that. Um, so it's really interesting. Uh, a lot of people, half of the respondents said their critical thinking skills had improved since high school. Around 16% saying their critical thinking skills had actually gotten worse. So I love that the survey has people identify their attitudes about critical thinking. That's really important. But um, there seems to be a wide array of opinions about why there's a lack of it. So, so they have this little sidebar here in the survey about what is the best age to learn critical thinking. And only about half of the people said it was best to teach critical thinking before the age of 12 even though there's research that says the early years are a crucial time. So one of the things we know about child children's early brain development is that there's an opportunity to really shape kids and shape young people and the thinking they do, learning to ask questions, learning to be critical thinkers. That's really interesting. Now, the survey cites some movements in higher education that are putting a premium on critical thinking. So we know that there are efforts besides the Reboot Foundation, besides the Foundation for Critical Thinking, besides our radio show, where people are really committed to promoting critical thinking and getting it out there in the world. So let's move into a wrap up here. Let's let's conclude with some of the takeaways from this critical thinking, state of critical thinking today. Uh, some of which, again, uh, the findings about critical thinking are not that different than the prior surveys they've done the last two years. The social media piece is new. And again, we know social media in, uh, usage is up since COVID. So that, so that makes sense that they put that emphasis on social media. So here are some of the um, conclusions that they draw. They are saying that depending on how people curate, right, their social media feed, right? So who am I hiding? Who am I allowing to put their stuff in front of me? Who am I unfriending, right? Who, how, who am I connecting with? Depending on that, people may end up being exposed only or predominantly to ideas that confirm what they already think. Right. That's the algorithmic bubble that just reinforces what you already think by by putting you in a social media group where everybody agrees with everyone else. Uh, you're missing out on the challenges to challenge preconceptions that are essential to good reasoning. So this really makes the case for why should you really look at your social media accounts and say, what other points of view who else should I be following or liking or friending that would intentionally diversify my thinking? Finally, a flattened out environment without the depth and texture of face-to-face -face conversations can lead to misinterpretations and misunderstandings. 
and cause hostility or conflict. So so I, I read that as we can't allow social media to, to completely replace our ability to connect, to talk, to hear about other people, to get the nuances of a conversation. You know, we all relied on social media and digital communication during COVID, but now we can begin to say, okay, what are we missing with those conversations? How do we reconnect with people in a genuine way? The Reboot Foundation goes on to say, the distorted thinking that results from the social media environment can have widespread negative social consequences both in terms of public mental health and public discourse, as the survey respondents recognized, okay? So just as a reminder, the survey showed that when people talk about mental health or public discourse, they talk about how social media can impact their mental health in a negative way, about how it can limit their public discourse, but on the again, on the flip side, they also talk about the positive in these things. Critical thinking education, including education in civics and media literacy, is the natural and needed companion to social media. So here's where I want to put a shout out. If you're wondering, well, how do I information literacy? How do I, how am I gonna have time and when am I gonna even focus on that? Here at U of L, Brian and I have two colleagues. Amber Willenborg and Rob Detmering here in the University Libraries who developed a module, a set of modules called Citizen Literacy Toolkit. And it's e- these really short modules. There's, I think, eight of them. And they're on different things, everything from algorithms and the way they manipulate you on social media to voting, how to get um, reliable, credible voting information to make good decisions as a voter, these really great tools, um, how to navigate articles and the, in, uh, in the interwebs to get credible answers and information on questions you're wondering about. Um, so lit- Citizen Literacy Toolkit, if you Google that, it's a wonderful, wonderful, um, enjoyable set of tools to help you think about to help you kind of sharpen your thinking on these topics. Uh, The Reboot Foundation goes on to say, people better trained in good reasoning practices like evaluating sources, weighing opposing views, and formulating logically sound arguments will also be better able to navigate online life more carefully and thoughtfully. So when you are better at thinking through the big decisions in your life, you can then become better at how you contend with things coming at you on social media or on the web. They will be less susceptible to the confirmation bias, groupthink, ad hominem argumentation that are so widespread in these environments. Confirmation bias, that's when we um, are likely to accept information and take in information when it confirms what we already believe, right? So we're biased to believe that because it reinforces what we want groupthink which is uh, the stance of going along with the group. Well, everybody in my, that political party thinks that. So I guess I think that too. And then the last one, ad hominem argumentation. So that's personal attacks, uh, using personal attacks in place of sound reasoning or logical judgment and uh, attacking the other person Uh, character or personhood as opposed to the quality of their ideas. So all of these things we can become susceptible to because there are logical fallacies that are used around us in the media, on social media, 
Um, and we can become aware of them and catch ourselves and go, yeah, you know, I'm not sure I believe that. Everybody else in that group believes it, but I don't think that fits for me. The Reboot Foundation says, interestingly, many of these critical thinking practices are also relevant to addressing the negative effects of social media on mental health. So they they discover that uh, anxiety and depression can be caused and exacerbated by negative thinking patterns. And to the extent that social media can reinforce or help foster these thinking patterns may be contributing to what has been described as mental health crisis, especially among young people. So it's kind of learning how to catch your own distortions and your own habits of thinking that take, can take you into a negative space the same way that things that you're absorbing on social media can be skewed. So it's learning to catch your own thinking, it, it takes us right back to what Brian and I say, the definition of critical thinking. Thinking about your own thinking in order to improve your thinking while you're thinking. Another way to say that would be, I'm catching the, I'm catching myself when I have poor thinking. I'm, I'm noticing, oh, I'm a, oh, I might be biased there. Wait, I got to rethink that. Or, oh, I don't have enough information. I don't want to jump to conclusions. So it's really interesting, this survey. And uh, I think I, we really value the Reboot Foundation. We love the, the work that they're doing. We uh, would encourage you, if you're interested, to go to uh, reboot.org, and you can download the full study um, called The State of Critical Thinking 2021. It just came out last month in June 2021. And there's all kinds of great resources on the Reboot website, including a guide for teachers, about critical thinking, a guide for parents who want to be more intentional about fostering critical thinking in their children. There's a whole set of research studies that the Reboot Foundation sponsors. As we mentioned, a link to some of Helen Buig's um, articles and Forbes are also available there. So uh, we really appreciate the Reboot Foundation uh, because they're just uh, passionate about critical thinking as we are. We hope you're passionate about it. We hope that um, you will uh, reach out to us and let us know either through forwardradio.org or on our Facebook page, Critical Thinking for Everyone. And let us know. I mean, it's, so, it's kind of ironic that we're talking about some of the downsides of social media and asking you to go onto social media and communicate with us. But we would love to hear from you. Uh, remember, critical thinking is for everyone, even you. It sure is, and many thanks for the great explication of Reboot's uh, report from Patty. Um, just want to thank you guys for giving us a listen. Hope you enjoyed the show today. If you really dig it, you can donate through forwardradio.org. Um, time, talent, or treasure. We need new programmers. We need new board members. We need technical folks. And we sure need your help running the station. 20 bucks a day. Thanks for all you do. Happy thinking, friends.